This is the special release of Talking Tactics, where we show you the career-making power of a single, clever tactic idea. I'm your host, Diana Kibiltz, Strategy Director at Ology, and this is what I have for you. Five inspiring episodes, five higher ed pros you'll recognize, each with a story of a single tactic that opened up doors in their career and in some cases, even redefined the norms of how we do our work in higher ed. Join me as we take a trip down memory lane to their early career moments, the challenge they had to solve, and the tactic that did the trick. After all, if a single tactic defined the trajectory of their career, what's stopping you from defining yours? Are you ready? Let's talk tactics. Well, hello again, my new and loyal listeners. I'm Day, your host, and welcome to another episode of this special release of Talking Tactics, where I interview some of the best-known names in higher ed about the tactic that started it all. With me today is someone who actually needs no introduction, a fellow <laughs> Enrollify podcast host, Allison Tercio. Hi, Allison. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to have this crossover and be joining you all here on Talking Tactics. A little crossover moment. A little crossover (laughs) moment. Um, So, Allison, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself, your current role, what other things you're involved in in higher ed? Sure. I'm the Assistant Vice President for Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. As Day just said, I'm host of the application podcast on the Enrollify Network, I'm publisher of the Higher Ed Marketers Digest, which is a bi-weekly newsletter that- Sign up. It's awesome. Sign up. (laughs) It curates all of the podcast episodes, the blog posts, the thought leadership, LinkedIn posts that are taught, that's giving us great information about higher ed marketing Mm -hmm. in our industry. And I put them all in one place for you. Mm -hmm. I am chair of EduWeb Conference for 2024, which will be in July. And I'm also on the editorial board for the Journal of Education Advancement and Marketing. Wow. When do you have time to do your job? Well, see, here's <laughs> the thing. Um, for a few years, I was getting my doctorate. Now I'm done with that. So oh, I'm filling okay. these gaps. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's amazing. So now it's like, oh, okay, what, what other 10,000 things can I fit into this time? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Dr. Allison. Uh, All right. So as our listeners uh, already know, and as you know, this this episode is all about exploring the origin of Dr. Allison and and your kind of start in higher ed and uh, kind of the path that has gotten you here in a way. So when did your career in higher ed start? I mean, technically, it started when I was a tour guide here at Siena. Yes, I would that say. counts. That absolutely <laughs> totally counts. Totally counts. Shout out to the tour guides out there. Shout out. Yeah. But my first professional role, paid role mm-hmm. at um, Siena, because when I was a tour guide, we weren't paying them yet. We do pay them now, but I Things was have doing volunteer. Pay your things, tour guides. Things have changed. So. Right out of graduation, I got hired to be the assistant director of communications. And that role at the time was 
really focused on copywriting. I wrote mm. articles for the alumni magazine. I wrote the copy for admissions brochures and supporting materials. It was really writing intensive and writing based mm-hmm. at the time. I was an English major. Oh, I was going to ask, what, is, what was your major to, to be brave enough to be br- writing all this stuff? <laughs> I was an English major with a French minor, and I, I've just always loved writing. All right. Um, it's interesting because a lot of folks start their higher ed career in some sort of writing role for some reason. So, uh, I well, I still write something for Sienna <laughs> every single day. Yeah, I, I mean, so just... there's some things that never leave. <laughs> so talk about those transferable skills, everyone. The writing skills yeah. that you get never go away. Right. Uh, so and uh, in that role, so what year was this? This was in 2006, so 17 plus years ago. 17 plus. Was social media like an active thing? Yeah. It was It was not yet. In the next year or two following that, mm-hmm. um, that's when colleges could get added to Facebook, which was mm-hmm. the thing at the time. Um, and before that, we were doing blogging. That was sort of the big thing in higher ed. We were, we were writing blog posts or having student bloggers. But I remember when Facebook came on, um, and I actually took over the Facebook page. So this is this was sort of my first foray. I, th- I don't think this is what we're going to focus on today, but my first foray, foray into taking on something that was new and someone needed to do it mm-hmm. was social media. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. an alum, as soon as you could have colleges, an alum started a Sienna page. When we took it over, it had 900 Mm-hmm. likes at the time. And I think we're near 40,000 now. So I've seen a lot of growth over these. Oh, wow. These That's years. Incredible. Yeah. So the, it's funny, you kind of alluded to it. You probably had a, quite a few career making tactics in, in the early days. And a lot of that is because, you know, for, for a lot of us, like there was a lot of change happening. Yes. Back then. Yeah. There were a lot of like new technologies and things coming up. And if that sounds familiar to the moment we are in right now, Yes, that is true. It um, is. So what were some of the things that were happening around you as you were, as you know, you were in this assistant director of communications role that you were kind of seeing, hey, I could probably do something about that? Well, one thing I was seeing is the increase, increased need for supporting the admissions counselors mm-hmm. and and helping them to do what they were doing um, shortly after the C- the idea of CRM started coming out. But when we were on our first CRM, it was really just upload this data sheet with first name, <laughs> last name, and emails mm-hmm. and send this email, right? Mm-hmm. So we were doing segmentation, but it was like dividing the audience into five parts. It wasn't mm-hmm. sophisticated in any way. So in those early days, we were, it was really social media and the emergence of CRMs and sort of taking email marketing to a whole different level. You all know how I feel about email. I yeah. fully support I fully support this endeavor. So um, looking at how you could support the admissions folks, what idea, like what problems were they having when these communications with their audiences and this limited segmenting? And how did you come in to try to help? Well, you know, never before were they getting really replies in mm. great volume before we mm-hmm. had the first CRM. And this was pre-Slate. Slate was a whole other game changer, and we'll get there. But in that first CRM, that wasn't something that they had to deal with before. You know, it was very onesie-twosies, their communication. Mm-hmm. I would I would say probably their email inboxes was more 
campus-based, you know, colleagues on campus before. um, And now all of a sudden we're generating these potential relationships over email. You know, it's not just seeing a student at a high school visit, not just seeing them at a college fair. Now we're, now we're having different points of connection. So Mm -hmm. I think that was important. And that's really where marketing and missions start to sort of blend into each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did that kind of starting that relationship lead to? Like, was there then a, a, like a more sophisticated process? Well, I think for us, it was, we didn't realize it at the time how foundational it was to how we operate our entire recruitment and marketing strategy today at Siena, because we try to be very relationship based Mm -hmm. in our strategies. Our strategies is that's what our strategy is. It's to make a one-to-one human connection with Mm -hmm. students. That's what that, and by the way, that fits very much in with Siena's mission and our Mm -hmm. values and, and who we are as a college. So part of it is showing what mm-hmm. the CN experience will be like instead of just telling them about mm-hmm. it. So it was, we didn't know at the time that it was a transformational moment, but looking back on it, it was those first seeds. First seeds of transformation. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if there's folks listening right now, trying to like pinpoint that moment yeah. that was like the big idea, the, it probably wasn't just a single tactic, but what 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 was that like now that you can reflect what was that big pinnacle moment that big pinnacle idea that opened up this entire kind of area of opportunity for you and for Sienna no i think it was seeking understanding of the audience and Got it. and sort of this pivot to because if you're signing on to a CRM for the first time ever even if it was a very basic kind of way to do it you're doing it because this is what is now expected, right? Mm -hmm. The audience is expecting personalized information. They're expecting segmented communications. Therefore, you need a tool to be able to bridge that gap. So um, it really was driven by the audience and probably driven out of our industry because this was something that they built up as expectations because of being consumers in the wider world. It wasn't about looking for a college, right? So that I think would be the impetus if I look back on it. Yeah, well, and and when we think about it, right, like that shift from, oh, this is, we are the admissions. (laughs) This is the important stuff we need to tell them, like switching from a, switching from that to a, oh, what what do they need? Who are they? Um, Is is a total mindset, mindset shift that a lot of schools even today haven't quite accomplished. Um, What, like what you, you mentioned, like, other industries that's kind of already how what was happening what gave you the idea to try that from like an admissions marketing point of view i think seeing ourselves as consumers yeah. you know and we're, you're, when you start experiencing what amazon was doing at the time mm-hmm. heck even what like jc penny was doing at the time and you're <laughs> realizing the gap between that experience and what you're able to provide then you're realizing okay we need a tool that's going to help us level this up and 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 frankly in the early days it was really just about um basic segmentation and basic personalization but we were still talking about ourselves more it was mm-hmm. still about well, this is the way that they'll listen to us and mm-hmm. what we have to say. Uh-huh. That has since changed and continued <laughs> to evolve, but yes. Um, so, all right, you're thinking, okay, we need to make this shift. We need to know them, get to know them. Yeah. Uh, what did you 
what tools did you need? What resources did you seek out to try to do this? Yeah, I think when we finally switched to Slate, Mm -hmm. which opened this up way bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So many more new opportunities for communicating with students and parents and um, triggered on their actions and their Mm -hmm. behaviors and who they are. It was just a whole other level versus the very um, simplistic CRM, really, that we were on before. And so when we're looking at that, that's that we're looking at that problem. And almost it's like, well, how do we fill all of this potential communication? Yeah. <laughs> right? So then then it got to, uh, again, go back to understanding the audience. And this time it wasn't an understanding of the audience for, our, for the purposes of being able to say what we wanted to say about Sienna, but understanding their needs. Yeah. So that we could we could best leverage the power of Slate and, and do that. So we did a lot of quantitative and qualitative research. Um, we did one-on-one interviews. We did focus groups. We d- dove into our data that we'd always been collecting, but looked mm-hmm. at it differently. Mm-hmm. And we have a very, very robust data data system. As you know, we track every interaction wow. that we have with a student. So when you go back and you look at it with this new lens of mm-hmm. what do they need, how do we um, leverage the slate opportunities, that's really what we did. So Um, It was a huge, deep data dive. That was where it all began. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting consistently confused by all the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction, and even worse, melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come-to-Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem, though. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software, or Adriana from admissions, who just got set up with her new CRM, or Isabel from IT, who is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if... You could come to the table with a solution that did not require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike. Well, my friend, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface, tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey from prospect to alum. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT, etc., can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that day from Talking Tactics sent you their way. That's incredible. Did you need like any special 
um, help with that? Like, was there like what team was there somebody in a team that you went to like, help me look at these data sets or how do I pull them out or anything like that? Well, we, we started asking the question, what's our market like? What's, what's happening with the market? Mm -hmm. And so there were different pieces of that and that, and in our team, we divided up the work. So someone Mm -hmm. went and looked at sort of pricing What's mm-hmm. happening in the market and what are people's reactions to pricing and to discounting and all of that? My task ended up being deep dive into Gen Z. Who is Gen Z? What do they connect with? What do they want? And that became a game changer. I sort of became the expert mm-hmm. on the student audience because I just went out and collected everything I could read, every research paper, peer-reviewed article, book on Gen Z, mm-hmm. and compiled this into what what's meaningful for Sienna. And we actually wrote, wrote up chapters, and oh, we wow. actually sort of released a market report to campus. So, But my chapter was focused on Gen Z, which turned out to be instrumental in how we built our new communications plan to that audience. That's incredible. <clears throat> Um, that's just incredible to actually like publish something internally. I imagine it as yeah. this little book, this this little white paper. <laughs> it is. That's what it was. It was. Yeah. It was totally. It was a state of the market white paper. That's what. That's what ended up getting published. Yeah. So, uh, can you give us one example of like maybe a, a communication that changed, like what it used to be, and then what it turned into after? Well, truly, I mean, what used to be was come to this event. <laughs> Ah, yes. You know, I mean, I'm not even sure if I'm thinking back correctly. I'm not even sure how much we were communicating on your application is complete. Yeah. What are your next steps with that? I think we mostly were pushing visit because, you know, one thing that we all knew back in 2008, 2009, 2010, what do we all know? The visit is all powerful, right? So all of our, yes, and it still (laughs) is, but it really, it was driving all of our Mm decision-making, visit, 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 visit. So we were doing a lot of that. Now, of course, we had a partner at the time that was doing app gen and our Mm -hmm. search marketing as, as many colleges were operating it that way at the time, but it was really pushes, Mm -hmm. right? And what, what it looks like today is, understanding who Mm -hmm. trying to get to know the student. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for instance, instead of just telling them that their application is complete, which is bare bones, right? Which Mm -hmm. we weren't even doing, I don't think before we were on slate because there was nothing automated. Mm -hmm. Now we ask them, I'm about to review. You're complete. I've got all your materials. I'm about to review. This comes right from their counselor that's going to review them for a mission. What else do you want me to know about you? Oh, wow. That's not in that application. So we have these really like trying to get to know you, um, trying to establish a relationship. That's really what our communications plan looks like today. So it's almost night and day. Wow. And (laughs) where where we have come. That opportunity for engagement is incredible. So with this like foundational shift in, in what we communicate and why we communicate, what are the results that you've seen? Well, we know that the fa- the students and their parents who respond to those emails, we code them as a one-to-one touch point, mm-hmm. right? And those people are 2.4 times more likely to enroll than those that we weren't able to spur a one-on-one conversation with. So wow. 
Whereas the strategy before we were just talking about, yeah. right, was get them to visit, get them to visit, get them to visit. Yeah. Now it's visit is part of the mix, but it's really get a relationship. That's just incredible. Like, uh, listeners, you didn't see this, but my eyebrows went straight up at that <laughs> 2.4 times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you ever anticipate that just that simple mentality switch from, you know, getting to know them and providing the information they need and focusing on relationship would have results like that? No, not that good. I mean, yeah. we, we knew that it was the right thing to do, right? Because we were trying to show versus tell. Yeah. what it's what it means to be part of the Siena community, what it means to be a saint. So we wanted to be doing that because that's what you're going to experience on campus. A professor's going to not just know your name, but they're going to ask about you. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to know about your future. So therefore, we should be recruiting that way, right? Mm-hmm. That was sort of the adjustment. Plus, we knew from the research on Gen Z that they desire that level of personal mm-hmm. and personalization. Mm-hmm. So those two things. So the research showed, but we didn't have any data quantitative data on this specifically, right? But we just said, okay, this is this is the right thing to do. Also at the time where we were really diving into this, I don't know um, how many of you remember, but um, NACAC had to change their rules about what you could do with a student after they've deposited at another college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember how many years ago this, but it was a big change because it used to be you can't talk to them anymore. You can't advertise. Right. So we're, we're here sitting... In January, February at Siena, when we when we when we're working on this topic and we're thinking, oh my gosh, everyone's going to try to poach our students. What are we going to do to keep them? And right. we kind of got to the conclusion that we'll let them try to if if we have done our job and established a really strong relationship and built love for Siena and and um, made them feel excited to start in the fall, let them try to come poach them. Yeah, Go ahead. Exactly. We can't, you know, we can't stop that. So a lot of it was driven out of that mentality and that strategy. But again, we had no idea what the quantitative results would be um, when we did it. But I think it ended up being really, it ended up being really good for us. I think the pandemic helped drive it too, because yeah. people were craving and wanting that even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were looking for that human connection. And we mm-hmm. were poised to sort of reap the benefits because we had started this just before hearing you talk about this and it feels almost like it's been like this underlying through line through your yes. own career evolution. Yeah, because I'm talking about th- some yeah. things that have happened over That's quite right. a long time, but yeah. they're all sort of, they, they do go back to the same idea. Yes. Yeah. And so like you had this one moment, at, you know, early career where it's like we should really think about them (laughs) yes and that's been like it's been this underlying principle that's just carried you through and of course if like it's the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do but it's also like it it works right so um it really is making me think about right now gen alpha coming gen alpha's coming who who are you you want to do that who if you're listening right now and you're looking for your thing Make Gen Alpha your thing. Make Gen Alpha Be- your thing. Yes. Become the expert. Do what Allison did with Gen Z a few years ago. But and- now I also need to do with Gen Alpha. <laughs> that's right. But that's <laughs> I'm the thing. still here. <laughs> still here. Still thriving. Yeah. So talk to us, you know, about the impact you think um, having kind of started that at Siena has had in your career overall. Well, I think I started to become looked at as not just a writer or right. someone who's um, sort of managing a communications flow, but someone who really understood the audience. Mm-hmm. And um, it also 
transitioned me from a communications or marketing communications role, like sort of boxed into that and Mm -hmm. into admissions and into financial aid, Mm -hmm. which now has brought me to have enrollment management and enrollment strategy as a piece Mm -hmm. of what I do. So I do think it was really career defining in that way. I don't think I'd be sitting here um, straddling those two worlds if not for this work. Yeah. If you hadn't ventured into trying to understand who you were speaking to yeah. uh, and not just like doing the job of writing about visits, right? So this idea of understanding your audience and, and shifting your flows, have uh, what what else has happened in your career from this? Like I know you speak a lot at a lot of conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have your doctorate. Is this something that has continued to be a through line for you? Yeah, it it has. I mean, I've given several presentations at conferences on this. I've written an article for the Journal of Education Advancement and Marketing on this. Wow. And I I hadn't thought about this until you just asked this question, but my dissertation ended up being this. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So um, (laughs) my dissertation was on creating, co-creating a student-centered marketing strategy for Sienna. And um. Yeah, it all this all led me there. I don't think I realized that until you just asked me that question, though. And there you go. Well, I'm here for these <laughs> m- historical revelations. That's my <laughs> these these deep seated knowledge about yourself. So I just I you know I I love I'm loving this special release of talking tactics. Thinking of, talking to folks like you and really thinking about man, did I think I don't know ten years ago, fifteen years ago that that one thing I wanted to try would ever lead me here. Did you ever anticipate that at all? No. In fact, I think I've just proven I didn't even realize that it had led me all the way here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, when we're in these situations in our day-to-day job and like we see something that could be better and we want to solve it, we want to try something, you just don't know. You don't know if it's going to become your thing um, for the rest of your career. So Kind of along those lines, Allison, what advice do you have for the early career listeners um, that might be tuning in right now? I think you have to own the job you have. I'm a subscriber to the idea that leadership is not a title. Mm -hmm. Leadership is an action that you take. So you don't have to wait for someone to ask you to do this. If you see an opportunity, be the one to fill the hole. Go, Mm -hmm. Go for it. Um, ask for help if you need it, certainly, but don't wait for someone to mm-hmm. um, say, yeah, oh, yeah, why don't you try doing this? Go and say, I see this opportunity. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. So so do it and, and work circles around other people, you know, mm-hmm. work hard, do the job you have uh, and see those opportunities and, ta- and take them on. The rest yeah. will come. The rest will come. And and this is definitely also one of those ask for forgiveness things. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. want to succeed in higher ed, I mean, do things right and do don't the right around. things. Yes, but don't do wait right around. But don't, don't wait around for don't someone around. to give you a project that is next level for you. That's if right. If you want that, grab it. Grab it because there are plenty of opportunities. And as we hinted at Gen Alpha, that's the opportunity right now. AI. Yeah, that- yeah, AI is an opportunity they're, right now. They're out there. Become can you become the expert on AI and how it can help you effectively optimize your marketing and mm-hmm. help you um, do things at scale that you aren't able to do things at scale right mm-hmm. now? There's so much out there. 
Be the person. Just be raise your person. hand. Be the person. I love that advice. That's a great ending note. Be the person, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Allison, thank you so much for sharing this trajectory with us and uh, that walk down memory lane. We, uh, I think, I think it's really inspiring. So thank you. I'm glad. And I'm totally open to connecting with anybody one-on-one if you're mm-hmm. looking for advice or how do you take that next step? How do you grab onto it? I- I'm here. So find me on LinkedIn or Twitter or email. Happy to connect. And definitely subscribe to the Higher Ed Marketers Digest. It's amazing. You probably get lots of ideas for what you can take on, what you want to become the expert on from that newsletter, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right right there. Thank you so much, Allison. And uh, also, folks, don't forget to check out the application podcast uh, for a lot of ideas like this, too. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And in the meantime, before we get another brand new season of Talking Tactics, keep walking the walk and talking the tactics. Thank you for listening to Talking Tactics. If you're inspired by what you heard today, I want to know. Find me on LinkedIn by searching for my name. That's Diana Kibilds, D-A-Y-A-N-A-K-I-B-I-L-D-S. And if you're enjoying Talking Tactics, please rate and review the show because there is nothing I love more than a good grade and positive reinforcement. Finally, If you just can't get enough good content, check out the other Enrollify Network podcasts for more higher ed marketing and admissions knowledge and inspiration. Season two of Talking Tactics is coming this January. Until next time, keep walking the walk and talking the tactics.